Well, hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, very nice of you to join us. I'm Ian Cheeseman and I have three guests with me as usual today. But just before I introduce them, uh, just uh, let me give a bit, big shout out and thank you to charleslewy.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors, who are the sponsors of this podcast. Uh, thanks for their support. That's why we're here. Uh, they are uh, advisors of mortgages. So if you're trying to get a mortgage or advise somebody on a mortgage, then contact them. Uh, their website is charleslewy.co.uk. You'll find a phone number on there. You can give them a bell, tell them you heard about them on the Forever Blue podcast, and I'm sure they'll be delighted. Uh, and they also buy and sell properties, whether it's commercial or private. So again, you can get advice, uh, real good guys and uh, very welcome support that they give me. Um, and Howard Solicitors, who are based in Stockport, are also uh, now one of my sponsors on this. So big shout out to them. More on them in future podcasts. Now, my, my special guest tonight is Uwe Rosler, who is um, somebody who, as far as I'm concerned, is, is a, a particular favourite of mine. Um, I had a German mother, so I have that connection with Uwe. And he was a player who I loved watching, who played with his heart on his sleeve. And I know that there won't be a single City fan who saw him play or who remembers him. And even those who've just heard about him, like Toby, who, who probably didn't see him play, know that he is one of the, the great players that um, is associated with our, our football club. So, Uwe, thanks very much for giving up your time. Uh, also, got Louisa, one of the regulars from the Fevalu podcast team, and Toby, who's a, a newbie. Uh, but very welcome as well. So uh, thanks very much to the guys. Let me start, uh, Uwe, by asking uh, you uh, what your thoughts are at the moment. I mean, City won 2-0 yesterday. I know you were in Germany. Uh, you worked for uh, television over there and you were watching uh, a game over there, Leipzig against Dortmund. So you wouldn't have seen the City game live. But you know what City are about at the moment. You know where they're at. They won 2-0. Liverpool won 2-0. And now we've got these four games coming up, two against Atletico Madrid, two against Liverpool. The defining four games of the season, maybe. I suppose if they win them, then the defining games become the next lot of games. But for now, these are the big ones. How do you feel going into all these matches? Uh, incredible uh, incredible response um, uh, to win against Burnley. Burnley away is, is, never, is never easy. Uh, Liverpool has started before winning the game put pressure on us and we responded in a in a very very good way strong performance comfortable win uh, scored the perfect goal <clears throat> especially the first one and um, yeah kept our our advantage i think it's important to have that advantage going now into the next game in the next league game um, i think it's important that we keeping the advantage at minimum um, most likely, hopefully, we, we win at the Etihad. Uh, Jurgen Klopp's statistic in the Etihad is not the most impressive one. Um, like you said, is uh, the game's coming thick and fast. In the league, in the Premier League, I think we have, uh, after the Liverpool game, we have a, a good run in to the end of the season. Uh, five home games, three away games, um, manageable games, especially the way we play. Uh, controlling the games and um, playing against teams um, from the middle to lower part of the table. So where we where we should win. Um, obviously, the interruption is always the Champions League, and it's a nice interruption to have. Um, Atletico Madrid will be will be a long evening, 
uh, they will make it very difficult for us, uh, very well organized, defensive organized, but they're having also individual class. Uh, they can hurt us home or away. So for us, it's now business end of the season. And for, for everyone connected to Manchester City, we all should look forward for those games and not being fearful, just enjoy the moment and look forward. In the press conference uh, last week, Pep, uh, when he was asked the question about whether he was going to have to manage his team, you know, make a few changes, insisted he wouldn't. It looked that way when they played Burnley because Bernardo was uh, on the sidelines and came on as a substitute. Riyad Mahrez was on the sidelines. Um, so it wasn't, I, I, I'm guessing that both of those two will play against Atletico Madrid. You, you're a manager, Uwe, as well as being a player. He's got to say that he, he will just pick the team for the next game, but he has also got to manage when you've got a game every three days. You have to. You have to, Ian. I think, uh, and he is a master of that. I think uh, he is probably the best the best manager who can predict the opposition, find, find uh, ways where to hurt the opposition, find the right players for the right games, and managing a squad of 20 world-class players. Because we, in my opinion, we and... Uh, Chelsea, we have the best squads in the league. And um, also when you're considering strength of depth, you know, and um, Liverpool is very strong as well. Uh, but uh, I, I think uh, we are slightly ahead of them in terms of, of the squad. And I think we used to, we have to use the squad wisely. And Pep has shown that in the past very well. And um, everyone will get games on a high, high level, business end of the season, like I said before. And uh, it's important to choose the right players for the right games and uh, and keeping the players fit. Uh, that is the most important thing. Oh. The fans I speak to still, most of them, insist that winning the Premier League is the priority. Um, obviously, the games against Atletico are in between the two. Uh, well, not in between both of them, because the Liverpool game is the fourth of this next sequence. But, you know, they straddle the games. You have a, might have a slightly different perspective here because you are European yourself. Um, we're not anymore. We're Brexit. You know, we're just England. So um, <laughs> your own so, fault, by the way. <laughs> so, so do you, do you, it, what, what what would your priority be? Uh, I mean, you know, we can um, all say what well, a club wants to win the Champions League, but what would be your priority be? I mean, uh, we won all all titles in the last decade, uh, apart from the Champions League. Of course, that is the missing link. But for me, as a manager, as a coach. The testament of winning over 10 months uh, the domestic title in the Premier League, what is the, the strongest league, in my opinion, in the world. Um, and that, is, that would have been, for me, over 38 games, the biggest achievement. Um, and uh, especially in the beginning of January, we were 11 or 14 points ahead. Of course, they had games in hand. Uh, but Liverpool, like they did in the last years, they... They're pushing us to the absolute limit. And I think the players will get better. The coaches get better through that uh, the battle of titans. And um, But I think uh, we want to come out of the top of that, you know. And I think this is a testament of fantastic work over a whole year. In the Champions League, as a knockout competition, you need also a little bit of luck on the day. You need a... Uh, you need your players fit, especially now in the pandemic times. Uh, things can happen very quickly. Uh, certainly you're missing three, four players, you know, and uh, the momentum has to be with you. You have to keep them fit and uh, you have a good, you have to have a good draw. And um, there is a lot of uncertainties, but over 38 games, um, I think uh, in the end, 
the best team will win. We'll circle back to this question, I'm sure, in a moment. But as it stands at the moment, Liverpool could win a quadruple. City could win a treble, the same treble that United won. Um, it could be split. It could even be that an English team don't win the Champions League because everybody's assuming it'll be City or Liverpool. What's your gut feeling, Uwe? I think, uh, like I said before, the Premier League uh, is the strongest league. I think uh, going into the Champions League uh, final stages now, I think the English teams, I definitely expect at least one English team in the final. Um, because they are the most competitive league with the best players and the best coaches in the world. And um, um, what was the, what you said? Uh, what was? Uh, it's a quadruple potential. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as, a coach, as a coach, I think uh, you focus always on the, on the next game. Um, I think that's the most important thing. Maybe look the next, uh, the second one ahead as well, because you have to manage the, the squad. Um, um, but I think the more you think ahead, the more likely it is that you 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 slip up, you know. And that is what you don't want to do. You want to keep the focus, the concentration as good as you can, managing the squad well, and and uh, do step by step. Well, let's go back now a little bit. Toby, you were at Burnley yesterday. Um, yeah. And I know you, you go into a lot of the games home and away. Um, what did you make of the performance at Burnley? Did that encourage you? Because there's obviously been two weeks without any action. And I think from conversations that I've had with you, you know, there has been a little bit of a concern that City's form wasn't quite as, as it was before. But do you think they got it back? Do you think they're back where they should be now? I think it was three points that was much needed. Um, we've we've looked like we've struggled in the away games in the Premier League over the last um, sort of few few weeks, few months, if you can even argue. You know, we went to Palace a few weeks ago, and uh, you know we struggled to score in that game. And and to be honest with you, even in the Burnley game, we, we struggled to 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 take the chances. But in that second half, we we could have scored three or four more goals, and it, we could have won it five or six nil. But um, I mean, look, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and complain about a, a two nil win at Burnley, and you know. As Uwe said earlier, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough game going to Burnley away. Um, so I'm just happy with the three points. And um, there was a potential banana skin that we didn't need to slip over with Liverpool looming next week. It felt to me as if they were in control of that game throughout. I mean, we've seen so many of those types of games this season. So they were back in the control. I yeah. mean, I've spoke to Uwe before and we might mention it in this podcast. I don't know yet. But um, are you worried going into these next four fixtures, Toby, that... City haven't got that goal-scoring striker that that a lot of fans have been calling out for. Yeah, it, it's definitely a worry. Um, you need someone to take the chances. Um, you know, we, we, we have seen where the, the false nine, that the centre-forward almost, um, works so well for City for so long. But there has been periods like now where we just have struggled to score the goals that have needed to be scored. And, and you know, against teams like Liverpool, we have to take the chances. Um, because they're a team that that, 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 will, that can play rubbish and, and will go and score one goal from one chance. And they're, they're very clinical. So we have to be, we can control the game as much as, much as we like. We have to take those chances. Um, against Atletico Madrid as well, you know, they're probably one of, one of the best defensive units in Europe, you know, maybe aside Chelsea, um, in terms of the way they play, in terms of, the, you know, we, we, they are a very defensive team um, under Simeone and we've seen him do it for so long. So we have to be able to take the chances because there won't be that many of them. Now, when I was travelling back from the game yesterday, I was travelling with Stuart Brennan from the Manchester Evening News, who's a, who's a pal of mine, and we had a discussion mm -hmm. about the various merits of different players in that game. And uh, he agreed uh, that Jack Grealish and Phil Foden 
weren't at their best in the game. Mm. Uh, and he argued that the reason why that was was not because they individually weren't doing things, but that they were pulling players into other spaces. So, for example, yeah. Grealish operating on the left, as he drifts in, leaves a space for Cancelo to move down the left. And yeah. Foden, who might drop into that false nine, creates an area as he moves out of it for somebody else to move into. Maybe it would be Sterling. Maybe it was Gundogan when he scored that that goal. Is that something you would agree with or are you worried about the form of... Would you pick Grealish, for example, in, in these big games? Well, I mean, I, I, I do agree with that. I think we, we saw it, yes. I mean, Grealish is a player that, that does sort of attract players onto him uh, as he moves because, you know, he, he's someone that is a very skillful player, someone that can sort of dance around players as such. Um, so, yeah, I, I do agree with that. You know, we saw for the first, I think it was the first goal where, where it sort of floated in by Rodri across to, to Sterling on the, on the right-hand side and then just put back into to, to, uh, De Bruyne. There was so much space on the edge of that box at, at, at points in that game um, for the likes of Cancelo, for, for Rodri, Gundogan to, to, to operate in and find those floating balls to get to get it across. So, yeah, I, 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 would, I would agree with that. Um, but, you know... <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I think I don't think Grealish has been at his best this season. I think there's so much more he can give. But in terms of Foden, I think he's a player that that can step up in the big games. We've seen him do it, um, and I, I think he's a player that 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 can come big for us in in, in the times we need it. Louisa, we've not heard from you yet. Um, obviously, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on where City are at the moment in your head. I mean, are you bubbling with enthusiasm, full of confidence, a little bit anxious? Do you look at the Atletico games different than the Liverpool games? Where are you in your head? Um, I think I'm sort of half and half because I'm a little bit nervous that we have dropped so many points over you know the last sort of couple of months where we seem to have such a big lead at one point and and now we're just down to literally one point um and but then yesterday you know that was a real mixed bag from from my point of view that was um City at their absolute best and in total control, as, as you've already said, and as Uwe's already said. And then there were moments in that game where we were just so scrappy and, you know, and, and Jesus, you know, great and gifted as he is, hitting the post, lucky to get that amazing little rebound, but then just didn't do anything with it. And then we've got the likes of Grealish, who we spent so much money on, and you know he's still not performing. And we're, we're close to the end of the season. What we've got eight eight games left, I think now. Um, I feel that Grealish probably operated better uh, at Villa when he had sort of lots of room, lots of space, lots of freedom to move. Because I don't think it's the kind of player that can just turn, you know, sort of on a, on a dime like um, Aguero used to be able to, and like Bernardo can do. I think I do think that he needs a lot of space to be able to sort of get get that motor going and get, and get his momentum up. And he's got a lot of of training, a lot of ad adaptation to do from from my view of how I watch him on the pitch. Um, I do love this moving around and a player filling, filling another space because obviously it pushes us forward. And this has been, um, I'm not sure if I'm totally wrong or if I'm right, but this is a really new approach from Pep. We were talking about last season, season before, how he definitely needed a new style of play again because everybody had our number. Everybody was was understanding what we were doing and, and beating us at the end of the day. So I think he's come up with this really another genius idea of moving players around the pitch that much that it's confusing the heck out, out, out of the opposition. 
and it's brilliant because there the opposition can't mark a player because the player our player's moved he's gone somewhere else so it's fantastic um but and and one thing I always complained about and you know I did this there was never enough players in the box no matter if we've got a striker or not there was never enough players in the box you know we were always just messing around passing it around the edge passing it around the edge then somebody might have a little flick and have a little go on goal but what's the point because then there's you know 11 players 11 defenders behind behind the, the ball then so we are doing a lot better we're doing great from that point of view um but I still would really love to see the motor running we have so many fast players we have got to have some of the fastest runners in the premier league right now you know we know kyle you know will challenge anyone to a run we know he's a really quick runner even though he's a defender but he could still pull out that pitch the way aguero used to do with that ball or go ahead sterling was taking some really lovely passes you know off edison at one point and and really sort of you know, I, I we just need to catch catch people now um, and and outrun them and then get those those goals in. So I'm again, I'm like I say, I'm mixed because I'm I am worried because of what we've just sort of dropped in points wise, but I still feel like we're we're great. The one thing that does worry me is is the fact that we still rely very much on some definite key players. There are some players we can switch around, keep on the bench pull off if we need them or start a match and then bench them a bit later on you know whichever way it works there are those kind of players in the squad but then there are key players that cannot possibly be on that bench they have to be in that match and that includes and I would and I would suggest Kevin De Bruyne is one of those isn't he I mean he he seems to be coming right into form at the right time doesn't he yeah, absolutely. Again, what what a just an amazing gift that we have had from Kevin over all these years. I think within about three games, he was my favourite player and he's been that ever since. You know, I could see it. I could see what was going to come, even though at the very beginning he wasn't quite, you know, he wasn't quite showing what he was capable of. You could just see what he was capable of and look at him. And it concerns me with what happened in the final last year for the Champions League where it felt to me from my seat that um, Chelsea were trying to take out, literally take out our key players and they succeeded with Kevin. You know, they they absolutely took him out in that final. Literally, literally. It, it was, it, again, it was the most disgraceful thing I think I've seen in football for a long time. Um, but they were also having a good chip at Foden as well. You know, you have to remember that they were really trying to get those key players physically to take them off out of the game. And they 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 did that. So I think that's something that um, hopefully Pep and the staff have in mind and even Kevin himself. I'm sure he's learned himself to, you know, be careful of uh, people actually coming for him instead of the ball. So hopefully if we do get to that final, which I think we might, you know, I mean, we've got what the, the there's got the home matches anyway. The three out of four are at home now, the next four games. So that's should feel a bit more comfortable for us even though we don't want to sit back on our laurels and take it for granted um but obviously it's better being at home than it is away so you know let, let's hope that we go into these games nice and relaxed and you know on the lookout for people trying to take out our key players we have an expert with us tonight you know a manager and uh Simeone's uh, been a very good manager at Atletico Madrid for a long time um, you know, when City played Crystal Palace recently, they struggled a little bit because Palace know how to mix it up, know how to slow things down, know how to milk injuries. That sounds like Atletico Madrid to me. Um, you know, obviously you watch a lot of European football. That's, they're going to play that way, aren't they? Yeah, they uh, they know all the tricks out of the book. Uh, they are well known for that. Um, 
you watch them against uh, Man United. Uh, they did that very successfully in the second half. But um, that was a lot of good stuff. Uh, and I would like to, to say something before that. Um, I think, I think uh, when I see us um, compared to Liverpool uh, in the league, uh, we, uh, we are able, with the players we have, with the style of play we have, we are able to dominate the games more often than Liverpool, for example. But Liverpool, they have one advantage. They don't need to play well. They don't need to dominate games. But they're having up front, they're having basically players, they score out of nothing. And when you see the goal scoring list in the Premier League, you have uh, Salah with 20, you have uh, Jota with 14, you have Mane with 13, you have, uh, uh, who else is it? Uh, no, that's it. And we're having Mares on 10. So the advantage what we have is we have an enormously flexibility in our final third play. I think. Um, the, the two thirds going into the final third, we are very structured. In the, in the final, in the final third, we're having a, the ability of having so many midfield players who are comfortable in either positions, you know, and they uh, they can take people out of positions for number of people to move in. But sometimes I have the feeling we always need to score the perfect goal. For example, against uh, uh, Crystal Palace. We were so dominant, we, but they did so well defending in the low block and, and, and we played and played and played and we, we wanted to carry the ball into the goal. And sometimes I'm, I'm a, was a striker and I always will plead, it's my personal opinion, um, a club like us should always have a number nine. Um, um, I think sometimes you need a scrappy goal. Sometimes you need to get um, a goal out of nothing and still win the game without be without needing to dominate the game as much as we, we do in the moment. So especially now in the business end of the season, you're playing the top, top oppositions uh, in the Premier League, but also in the Champions League. So you will not get so many chances, but you need to take them. And, uh, and especially against Liverpool now um, in the league, you, it's very important also that you have a good rest defence when you're attacking because they are on the breaks, they are on the counter-attack when we lose the ball. Uh, they are they are deadly, you know. They um, and and I think that will be the key for us. We have a good balance between attacking, being patient, but also have a good rest defense that we're not running into counter attacks. Well, the next game, of course, is Atletico Madrid. Carl uh, Walker suspended, so I would imagine that we're going to see Ake at left back. We're going to see Stones return alongside Laporte and Cancelo at right back. So that's a slightly different makeup. And there's no Ruben Diaz for this game. And I think Pep indicated he wouldn't be fit for the Liverpool game. Obviously, that could be a bluff and he might suddenly play. But it looks as if Diaz is, is out of the Liverpoolers game as well. So given that Liverpool can do what you're talking about there, Uwe, of produce a goal from nothing. And I absolutely agree with you because I've been saying that on the podcast. I mean, you know, against a lot of the lower Premier League teams, when we completely dominate the game, you can play this beautiful football and I love watching it and score these fantastic team goals. They never seem to win, you know, the goal of the season or the goal of the month or match of the day. But in my eyes, they are because they're these perfect goals. But when you're in a game that's nil-nil 
and it's all about the one goal. And I, I get a feeling it might be a bit like that, even over two legs against Atletico Madrid. Sometimes it's that bit of magic, that that Trevor Francis goal from a different era, or King Cladsey doing his weaving run, or Aguero, of course, producing something from nothing that, that wins you the game. So there's a couple of questions in this. The first one is the defence. You know, is that defence something that we, we should be worried about because Atletico will be quick on the counter-attack and without Kyle Walker, is that a problem? And I suppose I was just really agreeing with your point about sometimes overplaying in these big games being a weakness. I think when I would have a choice, I would, uh, and I had to make a choice between having him available for the Liverpool game or for the Atletico game, I would choose the Liverpool game to have him there because uh, we will have the ball a lot in Etihad, but they are so good on the, on the breaks. You know, is it Mane or is it Luis Diaz? But by the way, was a, in my opinion, was a crucial signing for Liverpool at the right time to give the whole club a boost. Um, I would really, really like to see Kyle Walker playing that game. And um, But you can't pick and choose. You have to take it as it comes. And I think that is now... Uh, this is why you're having a world-class squad of 20 world-class players. So everyone is capable of, of uh, coming into the team and do a great job. So um, Atletico game will be about being patient, will be about also not running into counter-attacks, have a good rest defense and, um, and, and break them down and use the opportunities. You know, uh, I think don't get frustrated with the old, with the tricks they have, they will show that time-wasting, diving, arguing um, uh, we need to be aware of that we need to be uh, focused on our game uh, I think the crowd also should not pay any attention to that it should just support the team and, uh, and hopefully hopefully we can um, we can uh, make the first step into the next round Toby yeah? you've been listening to all this what do you want to add to it um, <clears throat> those those Atletico games as, as you said earlier I mean the the, the the tie could be decided over one goal, um, you know, uh, over the two legs. So the chances that we have to take in those games are, are going to be massive. As I said earlier, you know, that they're, they're, they're so, so good um, on the counter and they'll just sit back Atletico and, and, and hold it and hold it and hold it and wait. Um, and, and, and again, like you both, like you've all been saying, you know, it's that they're, they're so good. I mean, we saw it against, against Paris Saint-Germain last year where, you know, that they, they almost frustrate you. They try and frustrate you and, um into into just not being at your best um by the by the these almost horrible tactics but i mean it works we've seen it work um and like i said it, it works against manchester united um in in the previous round when it comes to liverpool they're a they're a dangerous animal they're they, they're just i mean you know if if, if 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 anyone wants to argue that city is the best team in the world right now liverpool are so close to, to to where to where we are because it's that they they're so so good at absolutely everything. Van Dyke is arguably the best centre back in the world. Salah, in my opinion, has been the best best player in the world this season, um, and he can be so dangerous. Um, and, and as I said earlier as well, they can create absolutely anything um, on the uh, on the counter attack and and any point of the game. They can have absolutely nothing for ninety minutes and it be nil nil, and they go and score and take their one chance, and and that's that. Seem to be talking yourself into thinking Liverpool are going to come to the Etihad and get a victory. <laughs> well, it, it gives me confidence that that um, it gives me confidence that we've we've beaten them 
um, in a title battle like this in the past. You know, we saw it a couple of years ago where Aguero and Sane scored and, and beat them 2-1. And the atmosphere that day was absolutely brilliant. It was, the stadium was completely bouncing from, from minute one to minute 90. And I think if the atmosphere is the same, which I think it will be, that's that'll just push the players on and, and really, really um push us to a victory. And then obviously we've got them at Wembley the week after. I'm I'm actually very thankful that we didn't end up drawing Liverpool in the Champions League because we would have ended up playing them four <laughs> times in a row. And that that would have been uh, pretty horrible. I want to ask all three of you this question because there's been a, a rule change now in the Champions League this season that there's no way goals. Um you as a young fan, Toby, perhaps I'll start yeah. with you because I've got an older friend who has been crying out for the away goals rule to be done away with. And I argued to him and said, do you not remember why it was brought in? Uh, teams used to go in, in the first leg away from home and just put 10 men behind the ball and defend. And the first legs became very, very sterile and very, very negative. And it's as if he's forgotten that. Um, because football has changed slightly. And these days, the first leg, not I don't think it'll happen in this game, by the way, midweek, because no. I don't think Atletico are this type of team, but they may have played for a nil-nil anyway. But some of the away teams go and try and win the game, like City did at Sporting Lisbon in last round, by you know just attacking as the away team when the, there's so much expectation on the, on the home team. But what do you think as a young fan, you're in your early 20s, about mm. there being no way goal now? Well, I mean, when when it was first brought out, when it, when when UEFA announced it, they said it was to create more um, competitiveness within the ties and take it to extra time more. That's that's what that exactly what they said. Um, I've I've never personally liked it, but that's probably because it's always burned us. Um, you know, we've seen it we've seen it against Tottenham a couple of years ago. Um, that one was was particularly. Monaco was another one. Yeah. So it, we, we've been burned by that rule a few times. I, I think I think you're right. I think it does it does create. Um, I think it, it, the away goals rule it creates that sort of bias on the away leg. Go go away from home, get your goals, and then actually you, you bring it back home and and just and just don't don't go for it. Don't injure your players. Don't absolutely you know just just don't lose the game by the amount of goals that you went away with. But um, arguably, if the away goal rule was still in place, it would encourage Atletico not to put ten men behind the ball on Tuesday. Yeah, you could argue that. I mean, what I was what I was going to say as well is that you know we we saw a couple of years ago with a tie like um, PSG Barcelona. This was about four years ago, three or even maybe even five years ago now. I can't remember, but where where PSG went to Barcelona, sorry, Barcelona went to PSG, lost four 0 and then they had it all at home, and they had, and then you had two amazing games. So there's two sides to it. Um, of course, it does it does create a little bit more competitiveness, and it does create that almost urgency to score goals if you don't get any away goals. But I, I, personally, I'm, I'm I'm quite happy that the rule was removed. I know Louise is a big Formula One fan. She's a a, a, a vlogger and, and all sorts to do with Formula One. And we saw what happened at the end of last season when the rules um, were not. We won't go into all that, but were the rules in the Formula One season weren't quite administered right. Uh, but when you change rules like this, does in the football sense, are you worried that it'll influence the way that the games are played now, this new non-away goals rule? Um, I, I don't know about everybody else and, and the rest of the world sort of thing, but, you know, I just want to concentrate on my team and, and City and 
Pep's always been a goal scoring manager. Score as many goals as you can, even if there's only 30 seconds to go. I want you aiming at that goal, aiming at that net, try and get a 10th one in or a 20th one in, you know. And um, although we've never had won that many, but I, I just feel like just it, we just carry on a city. We carry on scoring as many goals as we can. Um, I am a, a just touch on something that Juve said um, about our goal scoring, that we do definitely need more surprise goals more goals just just off the cuff even if they are scrappy you know if Jesus would have scored that one the other day off that rebound then that would have been exactly the point exactly what we're talking about here um I we we are too controlled sometimes you know we just take 10 20 minutes to try and set up a goal and then we still don't get it in the back of the net and then suddenly there's a counter and suddenly your heart's in in your mouth you know and you're, you're fearing that poor Edison's there all by himself suddenly you know trying to defend a goal um, and I don't, I don't like that. I really don't like that 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 play that we do sometimes. Um, I, I always feel like we need at least one goal just to settle us down and then we can mess around and faff around on the pitch. But, you know, we just need to be scoring goals straight off the bounce um, and and as many as we can, really. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care who scores it and I don't care how it's scored. You can score it upside down, just get the ball in the net, you know, and that's what we need to do for this, regardless of away goals, no away goals, whatever this rule is or isn't anymore. Just let's get the goals in the net. And we're, we're lucky in a way, we're not in that position where we're doing the away first, you know, we're doing the home match first anyway. So we just need to get as many goals in as we can. That's it. You've on a few things in there. Uwe, generally, you, 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 the traditional approach is that you want the second leg at home. Is there an advantage, a disadvantage to playing at home first? Uh, Good question. <laughs> um, coming back to the away role first, uh, or, or, um, when I was with Malmö in the EuroLeague, um, obviously, we were in most of the games, we were completely underdog. Um, I think home uh, at Malmö, we, have a, we had a fantastic stadium, uh, it was like 28,000, a very intimidating place. Uh, the place was bouncing every European night. Um, uh, the foundation for us was always was always uh, home. We needed a strong, a strong result home. Uh, and away from home, um, we defended more. Um, we got uh, now and then a away goal, but the, the foundation was always home. And uh, one of the key was always not to concede home, you know. And um, and as an underdog going into Europe, um, I quite liked the away goals, well, you know. And um, this is my personal opinion. Uh, and uh, served us good. We had good tactics with Malmö and uh, we came a long, long way in two seasons. You know, we came in the knockout stages. Because for a Scandinavian team, is, uh, is, is, is very unusual to come so far. Uh, and um, yeah, and um, in home or away, um, I think I think in both games, I think we will have the ball a lot against Atletico as well. They will give us the ball a lot. Um, I think we need to, especially in Madrid, we will have also counter-attack opportunities because they, they have to come out a little bit. But generally, we will have the ball a lot. But when we're having those counter-attacks, I see us, when we're breaking the lines, when teams pressing us or losing the ball and we have a good counter-press situations, then we're playing fast and direct but not a lot of teams, they're coming out. And then, then we have to be patient with the ball and we, ha we have to have a good 
a good positional play in ball possession. So we cannot run around everywhere. So we need to have a structure, uh, even when we're in the final third, that we always have a, a good balance behind the ball. And then we have to wear them out. We have to make them sleepy. And that takes sometimes time. Uh, but I like sometimes to have a little bit more physical presence in the box, you know, and um, uh, with a physical strong player. And, uh, and we don't have that. You know, and that is my personal opinion. And I will never criticize Pep. This is he's a, the world best coach ever. Uh, but this is my preference uh, because I was a striker as well. I like just those those players who, who give you this vocal point. And maybe you're not as flexible in your build up. Maybe not as flexible in your ball circulations. But you know what? You're getting those crappy goals at times. You know. Well, I've got you. Um, you win and lose something. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I've got you on a couple of things like that. Let me ask you about the next season. They're going to introduce five substitutes. Um, Pep, Pep's been in favour of that. And, and, and as a City fan, why would I be against it? Because it, we've got all these world-class players and you can yes. bring five £50 million pound players on. But pr the principle of it in football, personally... I'd be really interested to see what you think about this because you can look at it from a City fan perspective because that's what you are, Uwe, but you're also a manager, you're an ex-player, so you look at it in a different way. I think that having five substitutes gives City, gives Chelsea, gives Liverpool a massive advantage when they yeah. play Burnley, when they play Crystal Palace, when they play everybody else. They're already playing on perfect pitches. They've got VAR, so in theory, they get every decision right. This, yes. is, this just helps the bigger clubs even more. And even though it's my club, I don't like it. What, what do you think? I'm definitely not a, uh, a favour of VAR. I think it has been done so much damage. Uh, in, uh, I think... Uh, we want to help the, the officials to make uh, more often the right decision. But in what we're creating is we creating referees with not with no personalities because they get told the decisions for somebody who is not responsible and and uh, will not be held to account for their decisions. You know, and and for me, a referee should always be in charge. And I rather have a referee sometimes to make a wrong decision. But he is in charge. He made that decision instead of somebody in the cellar. We call it all in Germany, in Cologne, they're sitting in the cellar and they, they're making those decisions. And the referees now, they, uh, they sometimes they don't want to make a decision. They want to, that somebody else make the decision for them. And I think that is, for me, is going in the wrong direction. You know, uh, to the five substitution, I think, like you said, it's benefit the, the best teams, benefit... Uh, with the best squads. Um, uh, I think the idea behind that, uh, when this got introduced for two years ago, I completely was agreeing with it uh, in the pan pandemic times. I personally think um, that at times we have been irresponsible, irresponsible to players to force them back after corona, um, uh, corona infections to play after four or five days, after three days. Training, you nobody knows the long-term effects of that. You're having now far, far more heart attacks on the pitches. You have far more heart muscle. Um, um, how are you saying the uh, heart muscle in Sundung? <laughs> um, you mean the poles of the muscles? No, 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 no. The mus uh, the heart, the heart. It's, it's, ah, right. Um, no, I'm with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, inflammation and stuff. Inflammation. Like that. Yeah, heart yeah, muscle yeah. inflammation. What is very dangerous. So, because we are forcing them, uh, we're forcing them too, 
too early back and and we don't even know medical wise the consequences the long-term consequences for those young athletes you know and um, having five substitution introduced for two years ago i think that was the right thing because it takes a little bit of pressure of coaches that also you can use the squad in those pandemic times you know and um, when the pandemic is finished uh, i think is a is a disadvantage then for the mid table to low table because um, you can the bigger teams with a bigger squad with more quality on the bench they can change the game with four or five players and the lower the teams on the low on the lower end of the table they don't have that opportunity you know they have a, they don't have the quality to change always games with with four or five players coming on you know they maybe can hold out they maybe can bring fresh legs but tactically uh, the top teams they can change the match plan they can change throughout the game you know and um I understand why they did it. I think at the moment we still have pandemic. I'm absolutely agreed. But uh, when the pandemic is finished, I think it should come back. I've got a big question for you in a moment, but just let me ask you what you're up to at the moment. The City fans listening to this will say that I've mentioned that you're on TV. Um, you're not actually in management at the moment, um, I assume. Um, are you looking for a job? Are you looking to get back in? Would it be in this country? What are you up to at the moment, Uwe? Uh, yeah, um, my contact was running out at Dusseldorf. Um, so, and um, I had uh, since last uh, July, uh, I'd be basically uh, with no job in management. Uh, I had several several options abroad, uh, but also in, uh, in in Germany, second Bundesliga to work again. But um, at my age now, um, I've been 17 years coach. Um, uh, certain jobs, um, and not attractive for me uh, at, that, at that moment in time because um, you have the experience you know what will come with certain jobs <laughs> and uh, and um, other jobs are I have to be also be patient uh, it's the longest time out I, I had so far but I enjoyed it uh, first and foremost to recharge uh, my batteries, because I think that was needed. Uh, also spend some time with my wife, um, because the family always suffering throughout all your times as a player and as a coach. Um, um, and I keep, I keep involved in a very nice way. Through the pandemic, it was very difficult, especially in Germany, to get into stadiums, you know, tickets or being allowed to be in a stadium. So working for television now on pitch side, um, analyzing games, interviewing, players, coaches, um, seeing coaches permanently, having contact to sporting directors uh, is for me a very, very good way to keep in touch with the game, to keep um, updated with the game. Um, my passion is coaching. I'll be, I'll be now in my, in my best years of coaching. I have now several years of experience, a lot of games under my belt as a coach. And of course, I, will, I want to use that um, coming next summer yeah hopefully so but i am not i'm not in the moment in the, in the need to dive into something where i don't feel comfortable with and um, and um, that is how it is at the moment the sleeping giant in bundesliga 2 at the moment uh, that hopefully will head back to the top flight uh, they're based in the town of gelsenkirchen and i have a bit of a soft spot for them I'd <laughs> uh, love to see you there, Schalke. Uwe. That, was a, that would be a club I was very interested in, you know, <laughs> when, they, uh, when they departed with their manager. 
but they went uh, internally, so they went and took the internal biscuits. Uh, but there is a sleeping giant, like you said. Well, we'll see if that's the direction. Here's the big question. Obviously, you've got a lot of contacts in Germany. Um, you've got two sons. Uh, I should ask about them, actually. How's Colin doing, your son? is he, What's he doing at the Colin, moment? Uh, Colin, uh, when he left City uh, Academy, he went to Holland, played there two and a half years, and now he went to Norway, played for my old club, Lillestrøm. And, um, yeah, it's very nice to see that a, a wrestler comes back home because he started his his playing time there as well. So it's, a, it's for him, uh, playing abroad is, is sometimes, in periods, can be tricky uh, when you're not one of the local players, you know, sometimes uh, the reality of professional football can be harsh at times. And now, but when you be now uh, as one of the, the home ground players, you know, you're Norwegian playing for Norwegian club, uh, everyone welcomes you, everyone wants you to do well. Um, I think it's a nice feeling for him. And he knows the place, he knows people, um, he, he knows even people he played with when he was very, very young. So it's nice for him. And Tony, my oldest one, is working with IT, um, studied in New York, is now in Berlin, opened a company, um, so um, very busy. And um, don't ask me exactly uh, what he does. So he, something with cryptocurrency. Um, and um, yeah, so, uh, but family is healthy. That's the most important thing. So far, we came good through the pandemic um, with my history, with my medical history. I think that is very important for me. Um, so we're all good and hopefully I'll be back in the summer coaching. Well, pass on our messages to them, uh, our best wishes. If yeah. you were in Manchester watching the game, if you came over on Tuesday night and, um, and Colin was a much sought after player and he was with you and he was in the background of, the vid of a video that I was doing, all the City fans would be going, see, he's a proper City fan. And that's what it was like when... Alfie Harland came to the Feyenoord game and Erling was in the background and we've seen him wearing a City shirt. So my question to you is, with all your contacts in Germany at the moment, we're pretty certain that, that you know, the gut feeling is that the deal's been done. What's your feeling? Is Harland coming to City? Um, I've been very close. I mean, um, this is basically what we do. We we reporting and analyzing Borussia Dortmund every week because the interest in Scandinavia, especially Norway, um, is very, very high uh, on Erling Holland. Uh, I know Alfie really well. Uh, just saw him yesterday. Um, um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I think they're keeping all their cards very close to their chest. I think it's incredible to, to say that again. It's incredible what Pep did. This is his second year without playing without the real number nine because Jesus is put playing on the side more um, and to be, to, be, to be so competitive, I mean, for me, it's incredible. But like you said before, and Pep said that, I think in his biography by himself, he said, after a certain time, you always need to find a new way of play uh, to, that the opposition never can suss you out and never... Um, and I think now he realised, not only now, I think they already realised last summer, um, is it time to bring in a number nine? And I think when I see all Erling Holland and I see him week in, week out, and unfortunately, yet, yet this year, a few injuries. Uh, but is is a player, he's already world class and he has so much more potential. And when, when somebody asked me, and it would be my son, and you have the chance to go to Pep Guardiola, 
um, and you all be the world class, he can make you even better. Uh, and and I think um, he improved so much uh, in his combination play. I think he is very good running in behind uh, the, the defense. He is very direct. One we one on the keeper. I've I seldom have seen a player who is you. You have a feeling when he runs one v one on the keeper, he always scores. I hardly miss a chance one v one on the keeper. And now this season, he improved his heading. He got uh, several uh, heading goals in the Bundesliga. And uh, in the box, his present, his movement in the box, um, uh, he would be, in my opinion, a very, very good addition to this world-class squad, not only for next year, so for the next five to six or seven years ahead, because that is what you're signing on. You're signing a 21-year-old one or 22-year-old one on a long, long-term contract and uh, with a lot of potential to get better. I think it's a win-win situation when it comes to that for everyone and 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 hopefully, hopefully we can get him. Do the whispers say that's possible? Um, I don't know. Um, you know, when I say now something, <laughs> so I, honestly, Ian, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, IVF uh, or Erling have never said uh, anything to me because I also not asking. I don't want to bring them in a position. Um, uh, I think they will announce it. Uh, they're a very professional team, Holland. Um, around, he got very good advice. Uh, obviously, there is official interest from Manchester City, but also from other clubs. And uh, and we see. I think the decision time is uh, end of April, beginning of May. Um, I think they can't take it into May. I I expect them to have end of April the decision come out and. I cross my fingers. I think I think that is a that would be a fantastic signing, and especially he he has no limits. This guy will get even better, you know, because he has a will to get better. He puts so much work in to get better, and um, let him work with Pep Guardiola and his staff and those world class players around him. The sky is the limit. Before I chatted to Uwe there, I bet uh, you were excited at the prospect of Erling Haaland coming, uh, Toby. But I could see. The smile uh, broadening on your face because obviously we record this on Zoom. If you weren't excited before, you certainly are when you listen to the qualities that Uwe's just spoken about. Ah, uh, he's uh, Harlan is just amazing. I mean, you watch any any sort of videos of him, any, any anything, and you, you can just see the talent he possesses. Um, you know his natural talent, the the, the talent he works on. Um, you know, we we saw it when he first came on with I think it was Salzburg, wasn't it, before Dortmund? Uh, and then he went to Dortmund, and, and, he, and he just got even better. Um, and 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 Juve's right; he can he can get even better and better. And and you know, we've we've seen Pep works with the likes of Lionel Messi back at Barcelona. And we we saw how good he could make he made Messi. And, and I'm not saying that that, that that Messi's talent is responsible on Pep, but you know, we, we've we've seen Pep not not just for Messi, but but for any player. We've seen him create the, these very, very amazing players and make them even better. And, you know, he doesn't have a limit. He, he can get so much better. And, and in that team as well, you know, where you've got the likes of De Bruyne, Bernardo, Raheem, uh, Foden, Grealish, Mares. I mean, it's the list goes on, you know, and all feeding him. I mean, that will just be... Please amazing. let me be a striker again, please. <laughs> <laughs> With those players. I'd like to be a striker in this team, to be honest. I think he'd yeah. get a few goals. I think I'd score a few in this team, to be fair. Yeah. Oh, what about you, Louisa? I mean, uh, you, you've been calling for this, haven't you? 
Yeah, for a very long time. Huge fan. Um, I, I think sometimes when names are floated around, I, I'm not I'm not my ear isn't to the ground um, on, on football like some of some of our crew is. So sometimes I have to do a bit of research and think, oh, who's that? Who they're talking about or, you know, who we're going to be talking about. But Harlan is it's just I, because City are such a family club and they always have been and hopefully we always will be um to me it's poetic to me it's it's family coming home um you know for the obvious reasons and i just feel like this guy is exceptional what a unique exceptional human being to be born with such a gift that we see we see it in players of of both ronaldo's you know of, of going back to even zico and players like that 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 you see this gift they're born with and they're already the best players in the world at a certain level and if somebody like harland gets underneath pep guardiola or who we know brings out even more from someone who you don't even think has any more to give then how exciting is that for, for even for the world of football you know I, I never watched a documentary and and I do feel like I still need to catch it but I think there was a documentary on uh, Cristiano Ronaldo when when he was at United and it was the coach that was talking uh, about him and was saying he already came to the club with this exceptional gift and it was his work ethic and he would stay behind every day and he would work on the same trick for four hours or five hours, you know, and, and keep working and working. Obviously, the guy wasn't born doing all this trick straight away, but he had the gift to be able to work on the tricks and to be able to become the player that he, he's become throughout his life. And I honestly feel like somebody like Harland already comes with that gift and we'll just get better and amazing that it will be at our club, our team and our family. The elephant in the room here, and this is another big question, I suppose, as we come towards the end of the podcast, perhaps I should have asked it earlier, but um, if you were Alfie, I mean, I, I've interviewed him and he, he seems like a really genuine, really nice guy. I really like him. And by the way, I messaged him, I've asked him a couple of times, he wants to go on the uh, podcast, and he said, not at the moment, for understandable reasons, right? <laughs> but if you were, if you were, if this was your calling, Uwe, in this situation, uh, and, you know, Erling was potentially coming, wouldn't the first question you'd be asking be, how long are you staying, Pep? You know, you've got the rest of this season and you've got one more year on your contract. And I've always got it in the back of my mind that if City were to win the Champions League this year, would that trigger, and it's just speculation, but would that trigger Pep to say, job done, and then he, he leaves? Because he's, it doesn't feel to me like he's a man who wants to be in the management role for many, many years. It feels like he loves what he does, but that there will be an end date. Do you, do, what, what's your instinct? I mean, you, you're not going to know this, obviously, Uwe, and I'm not trying to get you to say something exclusive or whatever, despite what you might think. But how, how do you, what, where do you think Pep is on this? And, and is it an important factor in the completion of a deal like uh, Erling Haaland? Um, that's a very, very good question. And um, yesterday, uh, before the game, uh, the game was uh, 18.30 and we had a, around one o'clock. Uh, there was a there was a like a meeting for there was a Haaland Academy from Brune, um, um, where Haaland is uh, like also sponsor uh, team Haaland. They came over like 35, 40 people and they had like a 
Ivy Holland uh, make a, like a speech, uh, and the speech was about uh, talenting and especially uh, talking about his son and how the way they the way they choose the clubs, the way the the decision making process went uh, from the beginning, and. Um, that was I was I was very very impressed. Um, they never signed for a manager. They signing for uh, when they went to Salzburg. When they went to um, Molder, Molder had at the time Molder was a, a top team. Um, of course, they had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who's always an icon. Um, they won the league, um, but what they had is they had uh, a very good track record of. Uh, getting the most talented players from uh, from Norway uh, pl play more or less guaranteed them a regular playing time and uh, not standing in their way when they succeeding and to move on to the next stage. So exactly that happened. Um, uh, Erling scored in his first game as a 17-year-old won four goals against Brandbergen in the Elite Serien as in the highest level. So that was his first game, four goals as a 18 or 17-year-old one. It was amazing to see. And then uh, Salzburg as well, they had a lot of the, the, the next level. They could have gone to Juventus, they could have gone to England. I think Everton was in there at the time he mentioned in, the, in that speech. Now he went to Salzburg because Salzburg was exactly the same. Salzburg is well known. Red Bull uh, buying the most talented players in Europe. It's like Red Bull Salzburg or the Red Bull Leipzig, uh, and um, developed them, playing them, and um, they're looking for a certain type of players. Um, for example, very athletic, very fast, very pacey player, and uh, and again he played one year for Salzburg. He took the next level in his stride with not having any problems. He adapted to the next level like this, um, played in Champions League. Uh, I don't know how many goals he scored in the Champions League. I think he scored a hat-trick in the Champions League in his first season. Um, and then he went to Borussia Dortmund for 20 mil. They had um, a clause in the contract that he can move from that. And he took the Bundesliga uh, again by storm. So every decision Team Holland did for Erling, or Erling was included with... Um, and I saw Team Holland. This is uh, obviously this is this is this is dad as one of the uh, most important people there. Then is Mino Riola, who does all the contract. Uh, and obviously there is a, a personally person who is around him. Eva is his name, and um, very small team, uh, but very good function. And um, and they're working so professional. And uh, Erling is a very you never hear any big noises from him. He's very very. Pep would like that. He's very um, uh, seldom gives interviews, you know. And uh, the German media they they get crazy because they don't get anything out of Team Holland and from Erling. So he just wants to focus on football, and that he does very impressively. He has the able the, the ability to to adapt to every level so far in his in his short football life, like I've never seen before. But he also has the ability to focus on what is the most important thing is for him is development. And performing, and um, and in that speech, you, you also mentioned that in not one club they went only for the coach. They went for the project. They went for the track record. They went because they always said coaches coming and going in the modern game. Uh, but I think with our club is a little bit different because a lot of people signing purely for Pep, and um, and I think that is a conversation. 
I don't know, have they had that conversation? Will they have a conversation uh, between Team Holland and probably Pep? Um, but I think I think when you have a, when you would be in Pep's shoes, you have a chance to get this player. Of course, I would fight to get him. Yeah? And uh, and Erling is ready for the Premier League. That I that I can uh, I can say for sure. Well, thanks for the wonderful insight, Uve. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, so that's that's basically it. I just want to ask the three of you to finish off now. Um, there's a two-leg tie against Atletico Madrid. There's a league game against Liverpool. Then there's an FA Cup semi-final against Liverpool. I don't personally do predictions, uh, so I'm not asking you for scores or anything like that. But let's start with Toby to begin with. We'll leave Uve to the last. Um, are City going to beat Atletico Madrid over two legs? Are they going to beat Liverpool or draw with them next week to maintain their advantage in the league? And are they going to win the FA Cup semi-final? Um, I think we'll get through in the. Um, I think we'll get through in the Champions League. Um, I can see it. Out of the two Liverpool games, I just. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna say we're gonna draw in the Premier League and we'll, we'll beat them in the FA Cup semi-final. That's what I'll say. What do you think, Louisa? Yeah, we're going to win. Ten year, ten year old this shirt anniversary, twenty twenty two. Come on, let's do it again, City. Let's do it big time this time. Absolutely, win every match. Right, just before Uwe gives his answer, I'm just going to say that uh, it, just as a football person that's been around a long time, I think if City get a great result against Liverpool in the league. I worry slightly about the FA Cup semi-final because it gives that other team the chance to bounce back. Um, Atletico Madrid, that's a tough one to call. Uwe, you're the expert. What do you reckon? Um, on Norwegian television, I said uh, the home game um, in the Premier League, uh, we will, it will be a draw. That leaves us with a, a point advantage. Uh, with five goals... Uh, deficit or goal difference, and um, but we are still uh, in an in advanced position. And with our rest program, um, then it's absolutely possible to get it even with a draw home over the line. Um, I don't think we will lose that game home. I, I can't was not seeing losing that game. Um, to win the game is also, but it's tough. Uh, but I go for a draw in a home game uh, against Atletico. Um, yeah, this is like I said before. Um, I see us as a uh, uh, as a favorite uh, uh, by by a small march, as a, by um, um, not like 80 20, uh, I would say 60 40 falls. Um, I think uh, Premier League has the advantage over the La Liga, in my opinion. Um, we are the top team in the Premier League. Um, uh, over two legs, the better team will go through, and I think we are the better team. And the FA Cup? FA Cup, like you said, I think uh, there's a lot of football we be played in between. So uh, we have to see, in those days, is a prediction on the long term is very, very difficult. You, you have injuries, you have, you have corona cases. In Germany, for two weeks ago, there was a, a game cancelled because it was 14 players had corona. You, you know, I don't say that will happen, but it can happen. And um, so on the long term, to make any predictions, very difficult. But for the, on the short prediction, I give it to you. Well, it's been great to chat to you, Uwe. It always is. Um, uh, good luck in your job hunting. 
Um, and thanks very much to Toby and to Louisa. Thanks very much to Howard Solicitors of Stockport and Ashton, uh, and also to charleslouis.co.uk for their sponsorship. Um, we'll do it all again after the derby, uh, not after the derby, it feels like it's going to be a derby against Liverpool. Perhaps Liverpool is Manchester City's new derby. That's what United used to say, didn't they? So we're going to do a podcast late on Sunday evening, English time next week, to look back on that Liverpool game because it is huge. So we'll be here next week. Uh, in the meantime, if you've not heard the Craig Cash podcast that we did last week, check that out. It's really, really good. And uh, a lad from City Matters who represents the under-25s. Of course, I'll do a match day vlog as I did at Burnley uh, against Atletico, against Liverpool. So look out for those on YouTube. In the meantime, have a great sporting week. Thanks very much to all three of you. And remember one thing, if you only remember one thing from this podcast, remember this, it's great to be a blue. <laughs>